Good evening, family. Uh, welcome to Grace Covenant Church here. My name is Jermaine, associate pastor in Sterling, at our Sterling campus. Yeah, I recognize that you all may not know who I am. I've never been on this stage, so I just wanted to tell you a little bit about who I am. I've been at Grace Covenant Church since 2007. Um, my wife and I moved here when we were just newly and freshly married, uh, married by Pastor Jim Critcher. My wife grew up in his church in North Carolina, best friends with his daughter. I was saved and born again on the campus of NC State University through Every Nation Campus Ministry at Kings Park International Church. What am I saying here? I am saying that basically I, I am family. I am born and bred here at Grace Covenant Church. I am you and you are me and we are family, right? That is, that is who I am. So I just want to introduce myself. I hope that you receive me today as family and that um, you can hear me as family. I'm going to talk to you like family, so we're going we're gonna to get into it. And I also just wanted to, in this moment, take, an honor, take a moment to honor all of our veterans, all of those that uh, serve and have served uh, so faithfully and so uh, sacrificially uh, to protect us. And so just wanted to take this moment to say thank you. We honor you. We appreciate you in this moment. We've been studying here the, the book of Colossians. It has been an amazing couple of months as we've been studying. We've been, we've been hearing from God. It's been so fresh and so timely for us. We've been learning about this, this little church here in Colossae and, and their struggle with some of the issues of their day and the chaos that they are experiencing. And they're, they're kind, of, kind of wavering here under the, the weight of the pressure that they're feeling from the right and from the left. Can anybody right, recognize that that's something similar to what we're facing right now? And so this is a fresh and timely word. And Paul has be, is beginning to basically remind them of, of the gospel and he's reminding them how great Jesus is. He, he starts in, in Colossians verse 13, chapter 1. He says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's talking about all of our situations here that we've all been in the dominion of darkness and we've all been kind of loving it to some degree, unable to get out. But God has reached down and reached down into our darkness and pulled us into the light. This is the, the gospel. And this is what has changed us. He, Jesus, he talks about Jesus. He is everything. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn. He is in all things. He is, he is created, he create, created all things. He is, it says here, he is before all things. He is in all things. He holds all things together. It is Jesus. Jesus is everything. And this is what he's reminding us of. Jesus is the goat. Jesus is the greatest of all time. I recognize that I had to spell that out for some of us here this morning or this evening. I'm sorry about that. So uh, we recognize that this this is Jesus. This is Jesus he's talking about. He has brought us in back to the Father, reconciled us back into the Father. And he's saying, don't turn back 
to old ways of thinking. Don't turn back to traditions that have never worked. Don't, don't turn and be, and be kind of uh, seduced by new philosophies and new ways of thinking because they don't provide any ability to save your soul and to save your life. It's Jesus. It's the gospel that transcends everything. It's the gospel of Jesus that transcends and changes our life. Jesus is greater. And Pastor Corey said this or yelled at us when he said it in this message a few weeks ago that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And he is seated now as we move into chapter three. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And this changes our perspective. Pastor Eddie preached a beautiful message about this new perspective that we have in Jesus. And he says this in verse one of chapter three. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. This is now how we can look at our earthly circumstances this morning, family. That because Christ is no longer in the tomb, we are no longer in the tomb. Because Christ has been raised from the dead, we are raised from the dead. Because Christ is resurrected, we are resurrected. Because Christ is alive, we are alive. And now this is the new reality that we can view our circumstances and our situations. And that is great news for us this morning. This is the reality that we live in today. That we can put off our old self We can take off our grave clothes, so to speak, and we can put on our our new self, put on our our heavenly fit here and and change a little bit of our habits and begin to express Jesus through our lives. Verse 12 says that we can clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, forgiveness, love, unity, all of these things he's talking about. And so it, it, it leads us to this question, this this evening here. Is this really possible, Paul? Like, can we actually live this out? How, how can we live this out? How do we do this? How do we practically kind of live out this, this new life that we have? What does it look like in our relationships? What does it look like in our marriages? What does it look like as we parent our kids? What does it look like as we, as we work in our jobs? Those are the questions that we're asking. I believe Paul answers these questions in our text today. Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 through chapter 4, verse 1. And I've titled this message this morning or this um, evening. Why do I keep saying that? I don't know. Um, He says, all the things is what I'm titling this sermon today. All the things. For those that don't know the slang vernacular here, we're talking about everything. All of the things means everything, that, that God has something to say about everything. And the three main points here are we live in the word, we live for the word, and we live out the word. Let's read this text here, Colossians 3 and 16. It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands uh-oh, as fitting in the Lord. 
Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. It says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it. Not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. And there is no favoritism. Chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word for us today. Help us to hear well and help me to speak your words. Change us, transform us through the power of your word. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul starts here in verse 16 with this this saying here, let the message of Christ dwell. Some versions say, let the word of God dwell. What is he talking about here? They would have known this as the the scriptures, the Psalms, the the word that was revealed and inspired by the apostles. Uh, But he's he's also talking to us the same thing. Let the word of, of God dwell, the message of Christ dwell that is revealed through his word. But also we we know John chapter one, that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So it's not just the scriptures, but it's talking about him, his person, himself, Jesus. Let the message, the word of God, let Jesus, the person dwell in you and among you. And this word dwell here is is a big word in this passage. It means to to indwell, to inhabit, right? It's talking about the word of Christ, the person of Christ taking up permanent residence in your soul, in your life, in everything that you do. The word of God cannot just be uh, a neighbor, right? It can't just be uh, a visitor, a long-lost visitor, or a, a cousin that comes and visits every, every holiday, right? And you just you can have fun with them for a little while, and then, hey, you don't have to go home, but you got to get out of here right now. That's not, that's not how the Word of God should be dwelling in us. The Word of God needs to have his mailing address be your home, be your heart, be your soul. He needs to have a permanent address, be fixed at your house. He needs a key to your, your heart. He needs, he needs a garage door uh, remote. He needs a keypad code, right? He needs the alarm code. He, he needs to have his name on the mortgage or his name on the lease of your heart. Matter of fact, he needs to have your name removed from the mortgage and your name removed from the lease because he owns you now. He has purchased you with his life and with his blood. You are his. And this is where we begin to actively and practically uh, kind of begin our our quest to live out this, this life that God has called us to. Is that we start by living in the word and allowing the word to live in us. Here's a few questions that we we got to ask ourselves is, is does, uh, what does our relationship with the word look like, right? Does, does Jesus 
and his word have a permanent uh, residence in our life, in our heart? Or is he just a visitor that comes every once in a while? Does, does Jesus have a key? And if Jesus doesn't have the key, then, then who or what does have the key? What, what or who currently has made your heart, your soul, and your body their home? Is it Jesus? Is it his word? Or is it something or is it someone else? Now, if we are to say, I recognize that we can, we can say, Jesus, Jesus has the key to my, to my heart, to the home of my heart, to my soul. The next question that I'll, I'll ask here is, how much access does he have? Paul says here in the word that he says, let the message of Christ, let the word of God dwell in you richly. This is a, an important word here that he's saying. He's describing this, this level of quality and quantity of, of how much we should be in the word and how much the word should be in us. This word means abundantly. In layman's terms, this means a lot. Right? He's saying a lot. If we, if we want to live for God and see Jesus express in and through our lives, we need to be in the word richly. We need to be in the word a lot. The word needs to be in us a lot. As Pastor Brett would say in my best impression, you got to read your Bible every day. That's what he says. And if we are not in the word every day, learning about our God, growing in our God through his word, then the word is not dwelling in us richly. We could say that it's dwelling in us adequately or, uh, for some of us, but for some of us, we could be honest and say that the word of God is dwelling in us not so richly. We may have given him a key, but he has limited access to the home of our heart, to our house, right? There's, there, when, I, when I grew up, I had, we had a, a, a room, a a living room that we did not have access to. It was, my mom didn't go so far as to have plastic on the furniture, but she, she was for real about, this is not a playroom. Do not enter into this space. And so the question for us is, do we have spaces like that in our life where we're like, Jesus, you can come in, but you can't come into this room. In this, this room, this room here is, is the room that's kind of set off for my relationships, and I don't necessarily want you to come in here. This room right here is a room for my finances, and I, I'm not quite sure I want you to come into this space. Space And so the question is, are we acting like this with, with God and his word? Does God's word have access to every single area of our life? And Paul, Paul would say here that that would be dwelling richly. That would be dwelling a lot if he has access to everything. And if, if we are going to him with everything, richly, abundantly, and I love this because he says, as you, as you teach and admonish one another. Paul, Paul is, is doing something here because you got to remember, these are just regular folk like you and me. He's not talking to, to those with seminary degrees and um, doctors and uh, you know, people with doctorates in theology and things like that, rabbis. He's just talking to regular people. And he's saying that, yes, you, you have the ability to be able to hear from God. You have the ability to dwell in his word richly. You have the ability to glean from his word, to get wisdom from his word, so much so that you can 
teach God's word, that you can teach God's word to your family. You can teach God's word to your children. You can teach God's word in small groups and on your jobs that you too is not just left up to Pastor Brett or Pastor Jim or left up to your favorite preacher that you listen to on a podcast. They don't have the special sauce. The special sauce is dwelling in the word of God richly and allowing that to form your thoughts and to form your thinking and then being able to teach others, being able to teach and admonish and encourage and push others in the word of God together in all types of songs and hymns and, and, and with all wisdom, that's what he says here in this passage, with thanksgiving in our hearts. So he moves here into verse 17, which is another big verse. He's saying that the word of God has, has the ability to to change our lives and to help us grow in him, directs everything that we do. And this is what we are to do with everything that he gives us. He says, and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, I looked up this word, whatever, and it means whatever. (laughs) We're going to define this today as all the things, right? But as, you, as we dig into this word, it's really talking about all the parts of the whole, not just the whole itself, right? So if we're, we're talking about a, a, a pizza, we're, we're talking about the, the dough, we're talking about the, the sauce, the cheese, the uh, toppings, the crusts, the slices, not just, not just the pizza, but all of the little parts that make up it, its all, every single part of every single thing that you do. Every single part of every single thing that you make. Every single part of every single thing that you commit yourself to. Every single part of every single thing that you have been called to execute. Every single part of every single thing that you've been called to give that you have. Every single part of every single thing that you can consider. Every single part of every single thing that you, you say and do and offer and produce and watch and spend your time and money and effort in. Every single part of every single thing that you do, do it in the name of of the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, names then meant a, a lot more than maybe the weight that they carried for us. It's, it's uh, you know, not only just an identifier like, hey, hey, I'm Jermaine, but it, these towns were small, right? So they carried with it not only your, your name, but it carried with it your, your family name. It carried with it your, your fame, your reputation, your character. It carried with it the authority that your name carries. So this is what Paul is saying. Every single part of every single thing that you do carries with it the name of Jesus. That's what it should be doing. You know, my, my, my son's um, we don't share the same first name. We have two, I have two boys, Kingston and Levi, but we share the same middle and last name, Thomas Moore. And so a little insight into our family life, but at, most of the time at night times we'll, we'll do this thing where we put our hands together and we'll go, Thomas Moore's Unite, right? And this is a little, little cute thing that we do as a family. Um, but what I'm trying to instill in my boys is that you're, when you leave our, our house, 
You are not just Kingston singular and Levi singular, but you carry with you daddy's name. You carry with you our family name. So when you go out into the world, you're not just representing yourself. You are representing us as a family. And I'm telling you right now, you better represent us well. And this is what Jesus is saying here. This is what Paul is saying here, that every single part of every single thing that we do, that we say, should be directed by the word of God, expressing the character of God, expressing the reputation of God, expressing the authority of the word of God, Jesus Christ. This is, this is lordship kind of, kind of dumbed down for us a little bit, but this is the word of God that says this is lordship. This is true lordship. Everything you do represents him. Not just the whole, but every single part of everything. One commentary says this. It says, all, both words and deeds, must be done in the name of the Lord. They must have supreme reference to him. They must be done under his warrant or authority in the strength of his grace, after his own glorious example, and with ultimate regard to his glory, giving thanks to the God, the Father, through him. And I love this. He asked that part because he's not just talking about God lording himself over us, but he's, he's talking about being in relationship with him at the same time. The lordship is relationship as well. It's just a passing thought, not enough time to dig deep into that statement. So Paul has, Paul has really described for us what lordship is, that, that, God, that God's word has the ability to change our lives as we dwell in it richly, and, and God wants to express himself through our lives. And God has plans and purposes for everything in his word. God has plans and purposes and wants to express himself in all the things, including our relationships. Those things that we sometimes don't want God to touch. He has a plan and a purpose for our marriage. He has a plan and a purpose for our parenting. He has a plan and a purpose for how we work and what that looks like for us. And so he starts with, with marriage. Starts with marriage. Colossians 3, verses 18 through 19, he says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, I recognize that this passage has been used in different ways, in some ways has been abused, in some ways has been confused with other things or kind of what these words mean. And I know that submit can sometimes almost feel like a four-letter word in the church, but uh, God is really saying here in this passage that he he really has a, a purpose and a plan for marriage, and he wants to express himself through his lordship and through his word in our marriages and transform our marriages in such a way that would, that would express his glory and express his character throughout the earth. And I think what he's really saying here through Paul is amazing because he addresses the wives first. And this is, this is kind of a, a countercultural when you really think about it because this is in his radical. He's kind of flipping things on her head because, because wives in this in this culture were really considered, really 
subservient, kind of second-class citizen, so to speak, with really no, no rights. Everything was, was uh, kind of arranged around the husband to serve the man of the house. And so I love how Paul here begins with the wives because he's acknowledging, number one, that your identity in Christ has changed, wife, that you are equal in God, that you have identity in God, that you are a daughter in Christ. And this under lordship is a change. It is a shift. I am calling you up into something. I'm calling you into the plan and purposes of God. And in this marriage, I am calling you to willingly kind of yield and cooperate with your knucklehead of a husband, to willingly kind of fall in line in the, in the order that he has set, where, where he is, God is the head, and the husband becomes the this head of the home, and you would be set up beside him to, to help him and to cooperate with him and to, and to help the family kind of grow in the things of God. This is the plan that God has. The word I'm using here is to willingly cooperate. It says this is fitting in the Lord. Right? He's talking about lordship again. He's using that word again. This is what it looks like for you as a wife, walking in lordship, walking in the lordship of Jesus Christ. This is what it looks like in God's plan and how he wants to express himself in this marriage and through this marriage. And he says, husbands, I know that everything It used to revolve around you, and you think that it revolves around you, but listen, this is, again, another radical thing he's he's saying here to this church in Colossae. He's saying it's no longer about everything serving you. It's about you now serving your family and loving your family in the same way that that God has loved you. Sacrificially, preferentially, you are putting your, your needs aside and you are really kind of leaning into the needs of your wife, to the needs of your kids, to the needs of your, your family. He's saying, guys, this is how we are to love and to, to lead in our homes, kind of serving our families, washing the feet, right? Washing the dishes, washing the clothes. I mean, just washing all the things, man. Just do the things to serve your family in the way that you should serve your family. And this was, this was radical then, and this is, this is kind of radical now, right? right? This, is, this is, you know, 2,000 years ago. I was talking with Pastor Duke about this, and we were talking, talking through this, and it's, that was radical then and 2,000 years, and it's still radical now. Like, to, to talk in this culture about a, a, a wife, like, yielding herself to her husband and husbands kind of just laying their, their life down, it's super countercultural, but this is the plan of God. It's the plan and purpose of God to express himself through marriages. And I wonder, I wonder if some of the angst that we feel in our marriages and in our relationships are because we have decided to buck against what God's plan is, and we've decided to push aside God's plan and kind of fall into our own traditions in the way that we have learned relationships. But if we would allow God's word to form us, I believe that that God will transform our marriages under his lordship. So he continues with parenting and kids, and he goes into verse 20 and 21. He says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. I love this again. He's calling the kids up. 
super countercultural again, and, he, and he's giving them a role within a family and it, that expresses God's character. And he says, this is how you as a kid can walk in the lordship of Jesus Christ, willingly obey your parents. And all of the kids said, that, I'm, I, they cut off the, the TV and YouTube and they're done with this message. And I get it. I get it. But he says, willingly obey. Obey, he says, in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And this is how kids can walk under the lordship of Jesus. Verse 21 actually describes how, how really we as parents can, can help our kids walk in the lordship of Jesus Christ. Not that we as parents would, would kind of throw away all of the rules, but that it just wouldn't be just about the rules, that we would have this ability to really encourage our kids, to love our kids the way that Jesus has loved us, to express those things that we talked about in verse 12 of Colossians, this compassion and this kindness and this humility and this love and this forgiveness, that we would express the things that God has expressed to us, to our kids, so that our kids would not be disheartened. That word disheartened means to lose heart, to lose spirit. Really what he's saying is, if you want your kids to walk in the lordship of Jesus and you don't want your kids to to give up in their faith, this is how you should be expressing Jesus to your kids. This will help your kids. This will transform your kids. This will transform your home if you will walk under the lordship of Jesus Christ and do the things that he's talking about here in this passage. And then he extends this into our, our, our workplace. And we're saying workplace because he's talking about slaves and masters. And slaves and, and masters is, is not necessarily our culture. But we, we do have an understanding of what it means to have management and to have bosses. And sometimes we feel like our bosses are uh, slave masters. But we, we are, we're talking about you know, management and, and being in a subordinate role here. And this is what Paul is describing. What does it look like to work what is your identity in Christ as an employee? How do you live up under, under this? And he says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. He is addressing the slave. Again, he is flipping things on their head, and he's calling them into identity, calling them into purpose. They were less than second-class citizens, Less than second-class citizens, but he is calling them up in identity, calling them out of kind of what the world would say that they are, would say that they're less than. He would say, no, you are more in Christ. You are a child of God, and you have purpose and a calling in God. If, if you are hearing this message today and you're wondering, do I have a purpose in God? I'm telling you, under the lordship of Jesus Christ, you have the greatest purpose. And if you would just fall in line with what he wants to do through your life, he's going to do great things and change your identity and change your purpose and do something through you. And so here he's saying for us that once you're under the lordship of Jesus Christ, you are no longer just an employee. <laughs> you are, your identity has changed from just an employee so now you are a servant of God. That's a, that's a shift for some of us, right? That's a shift in how we're thinking about this. And, he's, and he is saying, under your new identity, in everything that you do, I want you to express me in your job. Express my character, express my reputation, express my authority in your 
workplace and, and do it in the name of God and don't do it in such a way that we used to do when we had a substitute teacher. You know, we would act up when we had the substitute. And then when, every, you know, people, you, you know what I'm talking about. And then when a real teacher came, you would, you would act another certain way. And so what I'm trying to say here is, and the Bible is saying here is that God is always there. God has no substitutes. And so we must work with integrity when we're on our jobs because our bosses are not our masters. God is our new boss. God is our master. And then he, he continues to say this. In this passage, I mean, this is incredible. That he, he says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. This is verse 24. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Think about this. This would have been a revolutionary for a slave in this, in this moment to, to hear that they would actually have an inheritance. That would have been foreign to, to their, their understanding. They are not working for an inheritance. They're not working for a certain promotion. And so what is he? He's saying that, that in, in this new identity as, a, as a, a slave, you now have a reward. Man, this is, this is incredible. This is incredible for, for us especially as employees and we're looking for promotion and we're fighting for promotion and we're like, when will it ever come? And, I, and God is saying, listen, if you will just work as you're working for me, I'm telling you right now, you don't have to worry about this earthly promotion. I have a greater promotion for you. I have a greater reward for you in heaven. Me, I am the inheritance. God is saying he is the inheritance. Working for him. Treasures in heaven stored up for us. And then he'll, he'll take care of the rest. He'll take care of the rest. And that's basically what he's saying in verse 25. Don't worry about the craziness that's going on. He'll handle all of the wrongs that's happening in the workplace. Um, and, and he continues, if you are a, in management or you are a leader here in, in the house, he, he, he talks about what it looks like for you to have people that are working up under you. And he he says this here, um, masters, provide for your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that also that you also have a master in heaven. So as a boss and as a leader, we all must recognize that the buck does not stop with us, right? That, that there is a, a, another Lord that's in charge, and he is Jesus and our leadership should be defined by that lordship so that those that are under our direct influence and in our leadership should be able to recognize Jesus in our character, should be able to recognize Jesus in the way that we love them, in the way that we care for them, in the way that we provide for them and put their needs before our own needs, and that it would transform and change those that are under us. And so this is what it looks like to be a leader, to be a boss, to be in management, being under the lordship of Jesus Christ. I felt like I've said a lot of words today. Um, and uh, I just, I mean, as I'm closing here, I hope that we, we, we get what Paul is really trying to say here. when he's talking about the lordship of Jesus Christ and the word dwelling in us and directing us in all things. And I'll say this, we can't live out what we don't live in. And I'll say that again. We, we can't live out what we don't live in. In other words, we, we are what we eat, right? It's a true statement. 
Like whatever we consume is kind of what's going to be expressed. So the more that we can live in the word and have the word live in us, the more that we will have the word lived out of us and the word expressed through us. Romans 12 says that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind, by being in the word. So my, my, my encouragement to you this, this evening is to let the word of God live in you. All of God's promises, all of God's purposes are found in it. Get in the Bible every day. Let it direct your lives. Let it direct your everything. Let him direct all the things. God has a plan for all the things, including all of our relationships, our marriages, our kids, our jobs. He wants to transform them and express himself through them. My last question would be, will you let him? Will you let him and his word dwell in all of your things? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for the challenge of walking in lordship, of dwelling in your word fighting to really dwell in your word. Thank you, God, that you've given us the ability. You're not withholding yourself from us. You are, you've given us the ability to hear from you, to be able to, to know what you want to say to us, to be able to get direction for every single thing in our life, every single part of every single thing in our life. So I thank you, Father, for anyone here that's, that's looking for answers, that's looking for uh, direction. God, you have it for them in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Anyone here that's looking for identity and purpose, God, you have it for them in the Lordship of Jesus Christ and in your word. So thank you, Father. Give us the grace to be able to hear your word. Give us grace to be able to know your word. Give us the grace to be able to be transformed by your word.